Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima Laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic-grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at-home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now... This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Food Heals Podcast, episode number seven. What we're having is a very different conversation that goes something like this. And the body's like, I, I don't know what oxypropyl maltodextrin, but I can't speak that language. <laughs> Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put in their Lululemons and take a yoga class while drinking a green juice. If you experience any of these symptoms, text your priest immediately. It's getting hot in here. 
It's getting hot in here, so take off all your clothes. <laughs> I'm getting like so tired. I'm getting stupid. I was just thinking, I was like, what if we were like sitting here, like today's Naked Friday, <laughs> Nudist Monday? <laughs> would we lose some listeners? I hope not. I hope they would understand that it's just hot in our studio because we yeah. have to turn the AC off, and it's like a hundred degrees in LA today. Food Heals Nation is a judgment-free, judgment-free zone. Welcome to the Food Heals Podcast, episode number seven. I'm Allison Melody. I'm Susie Hardy, and today is a special episode because it's another hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday. So usually you hear from us on Tuesdays and Saturdays, but sometimes we do special episodes for you just on Thursdays. Yeah, on the throwback episodes, you're going to hear interviews with some of our favorite people from our film, Food Heals. We want you to get as excited about this film as we are. So today's episode is a throwback to our interview with Jason Robel. Jason is a celebrity, raw vegan chef, health entertainer, and cooking channel TV host extraordinaire. That was awesome. I <laughs> love it when you sing. But before we get to today's interview, we want to remind you, Food Heals Nation, about our swag bag contest. Swag bag contest! <laughs> I'm going to sing too. We are giving away, and I'm not a singer, we are giving away 10 swag bags to 10 lucky listeners. And everything in the swag bags is all organic, vegan, and just good for your body. No chemicals, no toxins, stuff from the earth. So in previous episodes, we revealed a few of the products in the swag bags, including Parfait Visage Organic Face Lotion from the Global Healing Center, Schmidt's Natural Deodorant, Notox Life's Clay Mask, and stay tuned because next time we will reveal another amazing product that's in the gift bags. Our podcast is sponsored today by the Global Healing Center, which offers a wide variety of high-quality green lifestyle products to help you maintain a clean body and live a healthy lifestyle. We have some of our favorite products of theirs in your swag bags and keep listening because later in the show, we're going to tell you about a discount code so you can get 20% off plus free shipping any Global Healing Center brand product. Today's show is also sponsored by the Missing Maura Murray podcast, MMM. (laughs) The show is hosted by Tim and Lance who investigate the disappearance of a young girl who hasn't been seen since 2004. Um, one of the hosts, Tim Polari, is a friend of the show, so I wanted to give him a shout out because his podcast is one of my favorites. And if you are as addicted to cereal as I was, you're going to love the Missing Maura Murray podcast as well. So more about their show later in our show. Okay, next up, Jason Robel. The Food Hills Podcast starts now. Welcome, Jason. Tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. So um, I'm Jason Robel, and I am a celebrity vegan chef. I host a TV show on the cooking channel called How to Live to 100. It's the first ever primetime major network vegan and raw food cooking show. And uh, we're in season one reruns right now. I also host a YouTube channel called The J. Rowe Show that I've been doing since uh, 2009, about five years now. And there's about 250 uh, vegan and raw food recipes on there that people can learn how to make great, delicious plant-based food at home. I'm also currently writing my first book for Hay House, which is due in 2016, called Eternity, which is all about eating plant-based for longevity and long-term health. I was born and raised in Detroit, um, Puerto Rican and Polish, and I've been living in LA for about eight years now. So what made you decide to adopt the plant-based diet? Uh, I adopted a plant-based diet. Um, Well, originally I was raised for the first three years of my life as a vegetarian, primarily vegan. Since birth, I've been completely lactose intolerant. 
and have tremendous sensitivities to that even to this day. So the first three years of my life, my mom was feeding me primarily plant-based due to the lactose intolerance. She was just eating fish at the time, so she was a pescatarian in the uh, late 70s. And so the first three years, I was off to a really good start. And there's actually a really funny story. When I was three years old, my mom wanted to feed me chicken for the very first time. And she put it on my plate. And I kind of looked at her like, what's this? And my mom said, oh, it's chicken. And I looked up at my mom and I said, you mean like I did the whole gesture of a chicken flapping its wings? And she said, yeah, it's, it's, it's a chicken, like a, a bird. And I had a meltdown. Like three-year-old me just had a total meltdown. I refused to eat it. I wouldn't touch it. So even then I, I was in touch with, I guess, that innate sense of compassion. And I had always deeply, deeply loved animals. And then once I got into school and preschool, I started eating a standard American diet because I saw my friends doing it and kind of bowed out to that peer pressure as any four-year-old would do. I mean, come on, you're four. Your friends are eating all these crazy Big Macs and things like that. So I started doing the same. And then when I was 17 years old, uh, my senior year in high school, my grandfather was passing away from cancer. And at that time I was eating everything, total standard American diet, had no real consciousness about what I was putting in my body. And something about that moment of seeing my grandfather pass away at age 17 um, planted a seed within me. I didn't know it at the time, but it really, it shook me to the core, seeing this man who was the absolute strongest force in our family. You went to grandpa for anything. He was strong, he was physically strong, he was mentally strong, he was the patriarch of the family. You went to grandpa if anything needed to get done. So to see him wither away and, and pass away like he did, it got me curious. And it got me curious about how my family was living and how they were eating, how we all were choosing to be. And I took note that everyone was eating really poorly, myself included. And something at that time, I remember having this thought, do I wanna end up like grandpa? And I started looking at the other health problems in my family and saying, something's not right here. This is, this is not normal. This shouldn't be accepted as normal. And what that did at the time in the, in the mid 90s, it got me researching. And I remember at that time, mad cow disease and Creutzfeldt-Jakob's disease, the human variant, was getting a lot of press and a lot of media. So I started going down that rabbit hole of where's this mad cow disease coming from? What's this Creutzfeldt-Jakob's disease? What's the Alzheimer's connection? And that rabbit hole opened up a whole world of information and research I had never even knew existed. It was phenomenal. So going down that hole, I started getting into factory farming and the treatment of animals and the effect of a uh, highly meat and dairy intensive diet on human health and some of the very basic research studies that were coming out at that time. Uh, one of the first people I remember connecting with was Dr. Neil Barnard of uh, PCRM. And my mind just was continually expanding to this idea of, okay, what's gonna happen if I take out one product at a time? So at age 18, I started taking out one animal product and one artificial ingredient at a time whether it was processed cookies or Oreos or something, or taking out red meat, which is the first thing I did. And gradually over the course of 18 to 21, I became vegan. And I remember standing in my, in my kitchen at my mom's house in Detroit and looking at her saying, mom, I, I think I'm a vegan now. And she looked at me, she's like, okay, cool. I just wanna make sure that you're gonna eat balanced and you're gonna do it right. And I was expecting a little bit of backlash, something weird, but she said, you remember we started out this way. You were a vegetarian the first three years of your life. So it wasn't as much of a shell shock to her as I thought it would be. So since age 21, uh, I've been completely vegan. Um, and it's been an amazing journey of not only exploring my own sense of ethics and purpose in the world, but the relationship to my own health um, and really trying to not necessarily rewrite my family's history, but 
by example, inspire them to make different choices. And it's been amazing because my mom's vegan now, my aunt, my two cousins, my uncle who has been pre-diabetic pre is eating now more plant-based whole foods. So it's been wonderful to see my family in Detroit, one of the most obese cities in the nation, making these changes. So when people come to me and they say, oh, I'm, I can never be vegan, how could you do this? I say, listen, my family in Detroit is now vegan. So if they can do it, you can do it. There's no excuses. Absolutely. So going back to the research that you did, what did your research show you? What connections did you start to make? That's great. So in my research of discovering what animal-based proteins and products had on the human body, at that time in the 90s, again, getting into Neil Barnard's work and PCRM, it started talking about the link between saturated fat and animal protein and research studies that they were doing of linking that to certain incidences of cancer heart disease, atherosclerosis, uh, diabetes, arthritis. And I remember just feeling kind of overwhelmed, like, my God, they didn't teach us this in school. No one's ever talked about this. We didn't learn this. There, were, there was no nutrition training at any point in school, from preschool through college. And so a lot of it was really creating this link between eating high animal protein, high dairy, a lot of animal-based products, and all of these major diseases. And the thing that I started thinking at that time, which I know is still prevalent now, was uh, the healthcare costs in the country. That's been a conversation going on for decades now of the expense of healthcare on an individual and national level and how can we reduce that. And I remember at that time making that link of, wow, if people just had more consciousness with what they ate and reduced their animal intake, we could lower healthcare costs in this country because all these major diseases are linked to the consumption, overconsumption of these animal products. So for me, that's when I started eliminating one thing at a time. I mean, when you bring in the C word, cancer, that was enough to really kind of shock me into, into action. I need to make a change here. I need to go toward a more plant-based diet. And in your opinion, what is the relationship between diet and disease? In my opinion, I think that from the research studies I've seen, there is a undeniable correlation between a meat-centric and animal-centric diet especially heavily processed ones or those that come from factory farms and the possibility of getting certain major diseases. Now, of course, there's always that anomaly of you meet someone who's 98 years old and they've eaten a standard American diet their whole life and they're in perfect health. But by and large, if we look at the incidences of cancer, atherosclerosis, heart disease, all those things, it's not from eating too much broccoli, okay? People aren't getting these diseases because they're eating too much kale. So for me, it just became a very clear link between overconsumption of animal products and the onset of these major diseases that are debilitating millions of people. So is it a definite that it's going to cause it? No, can't say that. But I'm not in the mood to roll the dice with that. And I've seen enough research studies to know that um, I don't want to gamble with my health. I want to make a conscientious decision to live as long and as healthfully as possible. And uh, in my opinion, I don't think eating a lot of animal products is going to do that for someone. So what happened after you changed your diet? Did you start to feel better? Did things heal? Tell us your story. I actually had asthma for the majority of my life from as early as I can remember through age 18. And 18 was coincidentally when I started to eat more plant-based foods and eliminate animal foods. So at that point, even doing inhalers and all kinds of corticosteroids, and I was on medication for asthma for a good, probably 14 years of my life. Once I started eliminating those animal products, eating more plant foods, organic foods, no more asthma. I mean, I don't actually remember that, that shift point of like, oh, I don't have any symptoms anymore. It seems like it was kind of overnight. I know it wasn't, but I remember it just being gone. 
So for me, it was definitely letting go of the asthma medications, any kind of inhalers and things like that, being able to run without any kind of strain or respiratory um, ailments. The one person that comes to mind on the other side of it, though, is a friend of mine, uh, Dave the Raw Food, food Trucker, uh, Dave Conradi. And Dave, uh, living the typical lifestyle of an American trucker, you know, going to the truck stops, eating all kinds of processed animal foods and the jerkies and the chips and the Cokes and the Red Bulls and all those things. And I remember meeting him maybe three or four years ago at the Longevity Conference and hearing his story about how he healed himself from cancer, from all these medications by drinking green juice and a ton of green juice and him being in his truck, having his juicer with him and going and getting all these veggies on the road and juicing in the truck and having his green juice going all across the country. So the first person that comes to mind that really had a kind of that eye-opening experience, not just from a weight loss perspective, but from curing his own disease is Dave. Dave Conrad is a huge inspiration. So He's definitely the first guy that comes to mind. Yes, I love that. It reminds me of another story of Joe Cross, who did the film Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, which was an autobiographical account of him juicing his way back to health, all the characters he meets along the way, and then um, the people that he helps, and their transformations through juicing are incredible. So tell us about juice cleansing, juice fasting. What is a juice cleanse? So juice cleansing, uh, how it heals the body. I've done many, many throughout the years. What I find that juice cleansing does is it takes the burden of energy off of the body. So when we are eating food, especially artificial and processed food, the amount of energy that's required for the body to digest and assimilate and eliminate that food is massive. And when the body is focused on eliminating all that processed food and trying to do something with it, it doesn't have as much energy or resources for healing, cellular healing, healing our system. So what a juice cleanse does is it takes the energetic burden off of that digestion of all of that heavy food and it focuses the energy and frees up more resources for the body to heal itself. So by not pushing through all of that cooked food, all that processed food, the body's like, yes, we have all this time and energy now to heal. So it's really freeing up those energetic resources and allowing healing to happen on a cellular level whilst putting the essential nutrients in the body. So by juicing, we're concentrating those nutrients. When you're putting in kale and chard and dandelion greens and all those deliciously nutrient-rich greens, it's concentrating it. So we're getting the concentrated nutrition while we're letting the body heal. That's why I feel so strongly about cleansing, particularly with green juices. How often, how long would you recommend the average person to cleanse? Recommending how long and how often to cleanse, I really feel is an individual decision. It's, it's really challenging to make a, a baseline recommendation because people are at different stages. When you have someone who's coming, say, off of a standard American diet, which I've seen people do this, go from a sad diet to a green juice fast, there can be a danger of detoxing too rapidly. So for me, it really depends on the individual and how long they've been eating. If someone, say, has been eating really clean foods, that's a big thing now is clean eating. If they're eating a lot of organic foods, really conscientious cooked foods, a person like that, I would be more comfortable putting into a green juice fast because I know that their body's going to be able to handle the detox load more efficiently. Someone coming from an animal-centric diet, maybe want to do it a little more gradually. Start putting more smoothies into their diet, really clean cooked foods, maybe some broths and some soups, and then get them on the green juice. So I think it's being really mindful about where the individual is at and making sure you're implementing the green juice and the juice cleanse at the right time that their body can handle it. How often do you juice, eat raw food? Tell us about that. 
So I absolutely do juice cleansing and I'll do it seasonally or when my body tells me to do it. Right now I'm about 75% raw. I do less raw in the winter time because I feel like I need a little more grounding, warm cooked foods in the winter, but spring and summer I'm close to 100% raw. When it comes to juice cleansing though, I find that seasonally, uh, even in the winter time, doing a seasonal juice cleanse with a little bit of warm broth is awesome and very balancing for me. I find in the summertime I can go longer though because it's really hot out and my body naturally craves really hydrating foods and juices. Um, so for me, I tailor it depending on the season I'm in. But I find that um, four times a year, or here's another cool strategy that I do sometimes, is I'll eat solid foods for six days of the week and then I'll just do a juice cleanse one day of the week. So doing that as a tune-up really helps to supplement the 10 or 14 day cleanses I'll do throughout the year. Nation, if you are looking for the highest quality supplements, the most luscious organic skincare, and a brand name that you can trust to be free from toxic chemicals, look no further than the Global Healing Center. I have been using their products for years. Their Parfait Visage face lotion literally makes my skin look younger. And it comes in a beautiful bottle, so it is perfect as a gift as well. And the Oxy Powder Colon Cleanse Capsules are the most powerful detox supplements I have ever used. They get everything out and they don't leave you feeling full or uncomfortable. The mission of the Global Healing Center is to bring back good health, positive thinking, happiness, and love. And they want to help you realize that your body is a self-healing mechanism. Well, I couldn't agree more. So I've teamed up with Dr. Group and the Global Healing Center to bring you a discount exclusive to Food Heals listeners. Go to their website at globalhealingcenter.com, pick out the items you want, and use the discount code FOODHEALS, all one word, for 20% off your purchase, plus free shipping to the U.S. and Canada. 20% off is a great deal, Food Heals Nation. I love their products, and I know you will too. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to the Food Heals Podcast, where you'll find the tools to become a hotter, healthier, happier you. We'll be right back with Allison Melody and Susie Hardy. Food Heals Nation, do you love listening to podcasts as much as I do? If you're listening to this show, you probably do. Last year, I was completely addicted to cereal. I love tuning in each week to find out what Sarah Koenig was going to tell us next. It was such a great show to discuss with friends, and I miss it now that it's over. But luckily, I found the next great mystery podcast. Friend of Food Heals and fellow filmmaker Tim Polari is hosting the Missing Maura Murray podcast, and it is completely addictive. It's the story of Maura Murray, a 21-year-old college student who disappeared in 2004, and the case remains unsolved to this day. So many questions arise. Did it have something to do with a car accident? What about her unstable sister? Was Maura secretly living a life of crime? Tim and Lance want to find out. I'll let them fill you in on the details surrounding her disappearance, but trust me, you will be hooked. I hope that by bringing attention to this story, Tim and Lance will be able to uncover details previously unknown and help Maura's family get some closure. So check out the Missing Maura Murray podcast on iTunes. If you like a good mystery, you won't be disappointed. And who knows, maybe you know something that could help solve the unsolved case of Maura Murray. You are listening to the Food Hills Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. All right, I want to hear more about the raw food diet. What is that? 
Raw food diet is something that is really, really high in essential enzymes, nutrients, proteins. It's really making sure that your food is in the most natural bioavailable state possible. So raw food diet can vary in a lot of different versions. Some people are eating raw animal foods. Some people are raw vegan. Some people are fruitarian or 80-10-10. So the raw foods diet is really an umbrella that encompasses all these different versions of it. For me, my definition of a raw foods diet or how I started uh, nine years ago eating primarily raw food is definitely raw vegan, uh, eating things that have been soaked and dehydrated and sprouted and unlocking all of those nutrients and enzymes. Because what we found through research is that by cooking foods and really uh, putting high temperatures during our cooking methods, it's denaturing a lot of those essential digestive enzymes that are inherent in that food. So take an apple, for example. In that apple contains all of the natural enzymes that are put there by nature so you can perfectly digest that apple. When we cook apples, not only are we cooking out a lot of that essential hydration and some of the minerals, but those enzymes are almost completely lost if we heat foods over 118 degrees for a sustained period of time. So really raw food is about eating food in its natural state, trying to be as unprocessed and as uncooked as possible to achieve that optimal nutrition. We talked about the healing powers of a vegan diet, but how does a raw food diet assist in healing the body? Raw foods have a tremendous ability to heal in the sense that we're getting such high doses of essential nutrients, those enzymes, those minerals, those proteins, all of those things contribute to healing the body. The way I look at it, it's like this. When you have nutrients, they're speaking a language to the human body. So you eat a piece of fruit or a banana or some kale. And the food goes in and those nutrients obviously get broken down by the digestive system and get ready to be assimilated. So those nutrients are speaking to the body in a language that it perfectly understands. It's like, hey, I'm kale. Nice to meet you. Hey, I've got all this vitamin K, all these great nutrients, all these enzymes. You feel good about that? The body's like, yeah, I feel good about that. Let's rock. Conversely, when we're putting processed foods in our body, which is the opposite of raw food, what we're having is a very different conversation that goes something like this. And the body's like, I, I don't speak that. I don't know what oxypropyl maltodextrin, but I can't speak that language. So the body will put it away into our subcutaneous fat layers, into our cells to take care of it later. But the problem is it doesn't really take care of all those toxins later. A lot of them are just stored in their body, and that's where a lot of our diseases come from. So raw food is a perfect communicator with the human body. All of those enzymes and nutrients and proteins are like, hey, let's party. We're speaking your language. So I feel that raw food has the ability to heal disease because it's giving us optimal nutrition. And when the body has what it needs, vitamin D and vitamin K and B and B12 and all those essential nutrients, the body is getting the fuel to heal itself. So really it's just providing the right fuel for the human body, for the machine. You mentioned toxins. What are toxins and how are they detrimental to the body? Yeah, absolutely. So toxins, essentially how I define them, are things that would be foreign to the human system. These can come from the environment in the form of pollution or what's in our water supply. These can come in the form of artificial ingredients in our food, things that we can't pronounce. When you turn over the label and the word is like that long and it has a lot of X's and Y's and 9's and 6's behind it, those are artificial ingredients that can create toxicity in the body. So to me, toxins are just something simply that the body can't use. It's not a nutrient or food source. 
And when we ingest those, the body has to handle it somehow. So again, what I find is that the body is going to store it away in our fat, in our cells, in our tissues to somehow process it or eliminate it later. The unfortunate thing is many of those artificial toxins or synthetic pesticides or herbicides in our food supply are not processed by the body. They just stay there. Now, the cool thing is there are methods to do that. And on a raw food diet, you can definitely eat things like spirulina, chlorella, chlorophyll, uh, cilantro that are natural chelators that help to eliminate a lot of those toxins and open up the pathways in the body. So raw food, just eating naturally can help to eliminate those toxins. Tell me more about superfoods. Why are superfoods important and how can someone who is still eating the standard American diet incorporate those into their diet? Superfoods uh, in a general sense are highly nutrient dense mineralized foods that sometimes and often come from pristine growing environments. So we have things like goji berries and hemp seeds, chia seeds, cacao nibs, spirulina, chlorella, the list is so long now. And what we find is in many places of the world, these communities and these cultures have been growing these foods for generations in the same soil, in the same land that's so nutrient dense, so delicious. And right now we're seeing a lot of superfoods coming into the mainstream, a lot more people substituting things like goji berries in their oatmeal instead of raisins or putting a scoop of spirulina in their morning green smoothie. So we're seeing superfoods coming in as a great supplement to people's diets. And we're seeing it hit the mainstream where moms are like, oh, I just want to bump up the protein or the amino acids in my son's oatmeal or smoothie. And it's very exciting because by getting that mainstream penetration of superfoods, we have regular families now bumping up that nutrition. So I feel superfoods are a great gateway to getting people to eat overall healthier. Because like I said, people are just experimenting by eating one or two superfoods in their existing diet or meal plan. And I, I can't tell you how many people I've seen that are like, oh, I just, I love those goji so much. I wanted to try more. So they get maki powder or they try acai. So I love superfoods because they're a great way to get really dense nutrition into your recipes. And they're a great gateway into an overall healthier lifestyle. So why don't doctors prescribe superfoods? Why don't they? <laughs> Why don't doctors prescribe superfoods? That's a really long answer. Um, my opinion is that our current system of healthcare in this country, because it's privatized and it's not nationalized, is that there's no incentive for doctors or private healthcare systems to make people healthier. Because if you have sick patients and people are coming back, what do you have? You have repeat customers. There's no incentivization to heal people, except for one, which is Kaiser Permanente. Really interesting. I sound like a commercial for Kaiser right now, but in all seriousness, last year, they did something groundbreaking. Kaiser actually sent a note to all of their network physicians saying they were now asking them to prescribe a plant-based diet to all their patients. The first time ever in America that a privatized healthcare system asked their physicians to directly prescribe plant-based eating to all of their patients. It was groundbreaking. And I've actually talked to Kaiser doctors in that system about it, and they were very enthusiastic because I think now we're starting to realize that old adage, let thy food be thy medicine, let thy medicine be thy food. They're finally getting it now in that Hippocratic oath of first do no harm. So it's exciting to now see healthcare systems and doctors shifting that paradigm into, wait a second, we have a responsibility here. We have a responsibility to share this knowledge with our patients to empower them to make more healthy choices. So yes, we have that old paradigm of that revolving door of people going into hospitals a few times a year and keeping that money flowing in. 
but it's cool now to see plant-based physicians getting more of a platform to share their knowledge. So you are seeing physicians prescribing more superfoods now, even if it is kale and broccoli and chard and greens, those are still superfoods. So can food help, say, a cancer patient if they are doing chemotherapy or radiation, or do they have to go all alternative route for the diet to be effective? So in terms of um, people trying alternative therapies for their diseases like cancer, I think there can be a bridge between um, the mainstream accepted therapies for these diseases and quote alternative therapies, which are becoming less alternative because we're hearing stories all the time about people healing themselves with things like the Gerson therapy and doing high doses of vitamin C, eating raw food diets, doing six month long green juice fasts. There's so many different versions of these alternative treatments, uh, Chinese herbs, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda. There's so many interesting approaches now from a holistic perspective that can either complement the, tra the traditional Western approach or even replace it altogether. Uh, while I'm, I'm not a physician, having researched this heavily, and obviously the focus of my work is to show people how to make holistic healing plant-based foods, I do believe that food is an essential component no matter what the healing modality is for disease. Um, so many cancer patients that I've talked to or familiar with their healing stories, the one thing that was common was always healthier food choices. No matter what modality they were choosing to try and fight that disease or overcome it or heal from it, the healthier food shift was always the baseline commonality between those stories. So no matter what the approach to fighting disease, I really feel strongly that food has to be the essential cornerstone. Because food heals? Food heals. <laughs> <laughs> That's our show. Thanks for listening. All the show notes from today's episode can be found at foodhealsnation.com forward slash seven. Today's tweetable comes from Jason. People aren't getting diseases because they're eating too much kale. I love that. If you like it too, tweet it to Jason at Jason Robel, tweet it to us at Food Heals Nation, and make sure to use the hashtag Food Heals Podcast in your posts. Next Thursday's throwback episode will be a continuation of today's interview. In the meantime, you can check out Jason on YouTube at youtube.com slash Jason TV and watch his really funny but really informative videos. So next time, more with Jason. And on Saturday's episode, Susie and I interview Amanda Deming, who shares her incredible story of healing cervical cancer through a raw food diet, yoga, and meditation. You absolutely do not want to miss this episode, especially if you or anyone you know has been diagnosed with cancer. She is a complete inspiration of overcoming it through alternative medicine and really working on healing her toxic thoughts and emotions, as well as healing her body through food. And today I want to end on a quote in honor of one of my favorite people, Wayne Dyer, who just passed away on Tuesday. His books and his wisdom have really shaped my beliefs and the way I look at life and the way I look at death and dying. You know, his books really got me through a lot of hard times, including losing both of my parents and helping me get through that tragedy and move forward and learn that I still have to live my life and be present and be loving and be happy and be grateful. And, you know, he taught me that I'm in charge of that and I can do that. So his passing has really affected me, but it's also helped me to remember all the wonderful things I learned from him. So I'm going to do a series of quotes on the next few podcasts. We'll end with some really inspiring words from Wayne because, you know, he was the best and check out his books just google him you can easily find a wealth of resources so the quote i'd like to end on is 
You've been provided with a perfect body to house your soul for a few brief moments in eternity. So regardless of its size, shape, color, or any imagined infirmities, you can honor the temple that houses you by eating healthfully, exercising, listening to your body's needs, and treating it with dignity and love. Rest in peace, Wayne. We'll see you next time on the Food Heals Podcast. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to actually start using their $39.99 a month gym membership. If you experience any of these symptoms, Snapchat your trainer immediately.